Hello, and welcome to Seeds and Ways, a podcast. I'm the Reverend Dr. Cheryl A. Lindsay, Minister for Worship and Theology for the United Church of Christ. Today I'm sharing my reflection, Investment, based on Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, which reads, For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, Even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Investment. Early in my career, I worked in financial services and banking. When I served as a financial advisor, I helped individuals and organizations manage their investments. One of the first two things I would determine of a new client was their risk tolerance and their time horizon. The second one was usually easy to quantify. How long were they planning to invest the funds? If they were putting money aside for their child's college fund, doing the math was very straightforward. Retirement was a similar equation. If they had other investment goals, more conversation, discernment, and analysis might be needed to figure out how long they plan to invest their funds. Risk tolerance was less science and more art. Markets go up and down. Corporations and entire industries go through life cycles of growth, stability, and decline. Interest rates have been fairly predictable but can change as the Federal Reserve adjusts rates to stimulate or slow economic activity. Some people cannot stomach the daily shift in the Dow Jones Industrial Average that news media reports so faithfully, even though financial planners will tell you not to get caught up in the day-to-day value of the stock market. 
Other investors know that the greatest rewards come at the greatest risk. In order to gain the most, you have to subject yourselves to the possibility of significant losses. Seasoned investors know you don't actually lose until you cash out, and they often profit the most from the fears of the risk averse who buy high and sell low in direct opposition to conventional investment wisdom. In the gospel text, Jesus tells another parable, which features an investor who gives his servants charge over his funds. Rather than provide them with equal amounts, he employs a diversification strategy and divides the investment according to their ability. He has different expectations for the return he will receive based on each servant. He clearly tries to mitigate potential losses. The investor is proven correct as the one who received the most also made the most. The one given a little less matched that expectation as well. The one he gives the smallest portion bitterly disappoints the investor, but surely it was not a surprise. There had to be a reason that he was given the least. The one talent servant was clearly the most risk adverse. Rather than attempt to profit from a talent he was given, the servant determines that his responsibility is not to lose anything. Therefore, he refuses to invest. Even the safest investments carry some risk of loss. The property owner's fury seems out of proportion to his actions. After all, the servant did not cause the owner to lose anything. Or did he? In economics, there is a concept called opportunity cost. It is determined by quantifying the difference between the outcome of what you could have done versus what you actually did. If the pattern of the other two servants was applied to the third, he should have doubled the investment. The cost of doing nothing is the additional talent that could have been gained. It certainly did not help his case that he blamed the owner for causing his fearful actions. Remember, Jesus shares this parable with his disciples in preparation for his passion and their eventual elevation as carriers of his ministry. Quote, these teachings serve to redirect the disciples' focus of attention. The important thing is not the signs and the times, as preoccupied as the disciples and we ourselves may become with such matters. It is far more important to know what to do between now and then. Such a focus of attention delivers the faithful from anxiety on the one hand, yet can deliver them from apathy on the other. While anxiety and apathy are very different dispositions, they both respond to focused attention. The example and the three parables that follow all reflect the situation of not knowing and focus attention on vigilant waiting, faithfulness, preparation, and diligence, end quote, Anna Case Winters. The future is unknown. The owner is going away and the servants will be entrusted with continuing to build the value of property through their investment. Jesus does not give them details of the future without his physical presence, but he does let them know through this parable that he will entrust all that he has built to their care and nurture. What will be their response? In the parable, there are three servants. Perhaps they each represent different segments of his followers. The first with the highest expectation may be his earliest and closest disciples. The 12 have been given the most. Jesus called each of them by name from their former lives. They've witnessed more and he has revealed more than anyone else. 
The next servant might represent everyone else who was attracted by Jesus' teaching, miracles, and presence. So who does the third servant represent? Is that one symbolic of a crowd, dazzled by signs and wonders, but fearful of faithful action? Or does the third represent anyone who wants to receive the blessings of Jesus for themselves, but refuses to extend them to others? The real investment in this story is not made in the distribution of the talents. The kingdom of God is not about maximizing profits and cannot be quantified in dollars and cents. The kingdom is composed of human beings who the Holy One values deeply and makes their investment. Quote, in this parable, Jesus returns to one of his primary themes, the utterly lavish, outlandish generosity of God. According to Jesus, God his Father is better, kinder, and more generous than we can ever imagine. So the question becomes, as we wait for this gracious God with us to come again, how will we spend the jackpot he allotted to us? We didn't earn it. We just got lucky, or more accurately, we received it through sheer grace. And now, through even more sheer grace, God the Father gives us the freedom to manage, spend, and increase it. Notice the active, creative, initiative-taking verbs in this story. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. In contrast, the third servant, with one talent guy, proceeds to slink away with any form of hopeful creativity. Instead, he justifies his passivity by blaming the master. He basically says, I, I have to escape and hide, and it's your fault. You're unfair, and you might condemn me if I fail. But throughout this gospel, we've seen the disciples fail. Big, frequent failures are on almost every page, and yet the mercy of Jesus abounds even more. So there's no excuse for this servant's cringing lack of courage. The fear of failure is no excuse. Preparing for Jesus' return implies taking risks and living creatively. End quote, Matt Woodley. The talents, like all currency, are used to make the investment and to measure the return. In the parable, they represent the faith of the servants. When faith is extended, regardless of measure, it doubles. The return meets the investment. When faith is buried, hidden, or concealed, it does not last. As Jesus prepares his disciples for the horrific events to come, he knows their faith will be tested. For most of his closest disciples, his passion will also foretell their own. The persecution and death they will face will be as momentous a risk as can be imagined. The troubling, violent language that concludes this parable is only matched by the violence of the events to come. Quote, a related issue is the language in which this divine intervention is described. Throughout the eschatological discourse, Burroughs' imperial language, parousia, structures, slavery, absentee landlords, and strategies, punishing violence, to depict divine actions. The way of Caesar are attributed to God without hesitation. There's no questioning of the violent assertion of cosmic power in the defeat of Roman military power. There is neither critique of slavery nor restraint in depicting the horrendous violence of hacking a slave to pieces. Violent punishment continues. How does the strand of violent judgment interact with the depictions of universal divine favor and elevation of mercy? And what are we to make of the presentation of judgment by works 
and the privileging of the poor and the assertion of God's kingly power. End quote, Warren Carter. I wonder if Judas was there to hear this message. I wonder if the one who would betray Jesus for a few coins would comprehend the cautionary tale. I also wonder if the church today functions more like the third servant and even Judas than the first two servants, where we are guided by principles of capitalism and empire more than beloved community and the kingdom. Are we burying our talent in the ground? When we refuse to give full public witness to the transformative love of God and fear of upsetting our neighbors or addressing unresolved conflict within our church membership, are we putting our talent in the ground? When we fail to be good news to the poor, the immigrant, the imprisoned, and the marginalized, are we throwing our talent away? Participating in the reign of God involves risk and potential loss, but as Jesus warns, not participating holds even more dire consequences. On the other hand, when we use all that God has generously given to us for the glory of God, the upside is exponential. There's truly no better investment. Thank you for joining me. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can find the full sermon seat's entry, including a suggested congregational response, quotes for further reflection, Voices of African Descent, and the roadmap for the entire season on ucc.org. Sermon Seeds also has a Facebook page where I do a weekly Facebook Live process video in preparation for the reflection and share updates and links for Sermon Seeds and Worship Ways. Follow us there and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. I pray that this tool provides a seed that will bear fruit in your faith community as you proclaim the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.